Welcome back to the Evolution Pod Club. I am your host, Jackie Seiden. We are joined today once again by the man, the myth, the legend, Gary Temple Bodley. He channels Joshua. To find out more information, you can go online and check out www.theteachingsofjoshua.com. You can order one of his books. His first book, The Perception of Reality, is also an audiobook <laughs> spoken by yours truly. And if you enjoy a podcast, please give his Joshua Live a listen to. It will change your life. It did for me, that is for sure. And I just want to say I appreciate you coming on here and being vulnerable and open about your own experiences through the eyes of this perspective. So, Gary, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. It's been a big wild couple weeks in terms of discoveries and push-throughs i feel like you're going through something similar very much so so what's going on with you you know we've gotten to this level where we intellectually understand how this works and that the outside conditions can't make us feel anything but there's these core limiting beliefs that we have that keep getting triggered until you resolve them and so i discovered three core limiting beliefs that i have one is that somehow I'm flawed, and so there's a lot of shame with that. And so anytime I'm criticized at all, it gets triggered. And then, uh, then I feel I have this core limiting belief that no one cares about me. So when that evidence comes up or perception comes up, then I'm super triggered and that no one appreciates me. And when that comes up, I'm triggered. And so <clears throat> the other night, all three were triggered at the same time. So Oof. I was in this flood of really intense negative emotion. So I went outside and sat on the porch and I just felt the emotions. And I realized that those emotions feel just like excitement. There's no difference. And that I was just judging them as negative. Oh, but, God, that's but really, so cool. <laughs> I mean, if you think about being able to identify your core limiting beliefs and then to sit with that emotion and then to realize the emotion is the same as excitement. It's not you a sat bad there and feeling. you felt it in your body and you feel, where do I feel it? How is it feeling? And then you realize that it was similar to that of excitement only with the judgment that it was negative. Yeah. Without the wherewithal to actually look at it, you know, objectively to say, is this really a negative feeling? And then you feel, oh no, it's not really negative. It's actually, there's similar feelings that I've had before. And this is very similar to excitement. So once I realized that, I just laughed. It was just, I was giddy. It was, it was uh, you know, just giggled. Because it was like, once you realize that that emotion isn't the thing that's bad, then yeah, intellectually at least, or now it's sort of a feeling that I can feel that, okay, well, I don't have to protect myself from that kind of emotion. It sounds like the ultimate freedom. Yeah. It's something that I do think is important for you moving forward because now that you are at such a high level and expanding and you are channeling new information at lightning speed and it keeps getting deeper and deeper and more profound. It makes sense to me that now that you're in different dimensions and you need to shift as well. And in order for you to, continue on to the next level. I see so much for you. There is 
so much outreach and so much connecting that you are preparing yourself to do. And this needs to be the, these core limiting beliefs do need to be decreased in yeah. order to be able to thrive in what's coming in a way. Does that the make thought, sense? The thought that came up to me when you said that was alchemized. Yes. So, alchemized. Exactly. So actually the core limiting beliefs would be the core strengths that I have. It is always the case, right? Yeah. And so the fear of criticism because of the belief that I'm somehow flawed prevents me from posting a lot of things because I don't want criticism and I don't get it on the podcast. I just get, I've never had one negative comment on the podcast, but on YouTube, I get a lot and because anyone can see them. It's, you know, the yeah. podcast has an audience that, that has been, you know, that is, that is willing to listen enough because somehow they resonate with it. But people watching a video might think it's something completely different and then find that it's not what they thought it was and then leave some comment, you know, they're triggered somehow. So I just <clears throat> made this um, video about the school shootings. Yeah. And it was the how the whole thing happened was that I was inspired to write this article. Then I posted the article and then Kyla read the article in her voice. Kyla's the voice of all the uh, meditations and just sent it back to me completely out of the blue. Okay. And so I was so inspired that I ended up making that into a video and I posted it on YouTube. Because when you hear her words say it, it's much more profound than reading it yourself. Because you sort of really get the meaning that the school shootings are, are simply a symptom of an institution that's flawed on all aspects of it. And that in that article, it had said that this is the institution that you fully support, even though you've had your own experiences, personal experiences, and understand how flawed it is, but you've been conditioned by the same system to think it's a good system. And so you take your kids to the same system. You know, not everyone does, but most people just do, because really for most people, there's no other option. And so they just say, well, there's nothing I can do, so I'm gonna take my kids to this thing. If you have money, maybe you can find some other school. Because it's the school that you have as only one option, you have to support it, mostly silently. You, you know, you tell kids, why, why are you so upset to go to school? Because there's no other option, nothing I can do about it. There's no other option, you have to go, right? And that's not true, you, there are options. There, the freedom means that you, you can make any decision you want, but you have this such conditioning. And even in fact, when I was picking out the videos to put in the video, the little clips, every one of them, every one of them, it was very hard to show a clip that showed edu the educational system as a detention center, which is basically what it is. They're all happy kids in these classrooms, all asking questions. Like, that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it didn't show any of the bored kids. So I had really had to dig deep for to find a bored student, and I found some really good clips. But, but you could see just in that, the producers or the people who are making these clips know that anyone who's going to show it wants to show the sunny side of the educational system. Jamie Oliver had done a reality TV show where he was trying to go into American schools and upgrade the school lunch program from pizza to what they have more in Europe. And also um, Michael Moore's documentary, Where to Invade Next, has a segment where they're in a, he walks in, he goes, I'm in one of the finest restaurants in France and it's all tablecloths and cutlery and napkins and waiters. And it was the school the school cafeteria. Wow. 
And so all these kids are learning manners and they're eating normal food. And then he shows the kid, uh, the kid's a picture of his, his niece who's in an American school and what she's eating for lunch, which was uh, Coke and, and pizza. And they couldn't believe it. In fact, none of those kids had ever had a Coke before. And so he's, he's shocked, right? And so he gives them a Coke and they're tasting this Coke and they go, oh, this is disgusting. People drink this? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really fascinating to me about you because, so all these things are coming up for me. One of the things is being challenged. And when an event like this happens, people look to their spirit leaders and they're angry and they're triggered and they want an answer. And sometimes the answers don't feel congruous with what they're going through. And people want to fight, want to fight, and they're going to want to fight you. And so it's sort of preparing yourself in the future on bigger and bigger platforms. When events like this happen, being a spiritual leader and saying to everyone, everything is perfect and everything is created in love. And every event that happens is happening to move all of humanity from fear to love, etc. all of the things there's going to be a lot of blowback. So this is really important and it's really important for you. And it's really important that you did follow the inspiration to post. And it obviously all lined up that she sent it to you in her voice. And she's got a very beautiful, very calming voice and that you posted it. And it's also equally as important that the people that came across your video or have come across your videos in the past are inspired to sort of click on your video just to leave you a comment that is triggering. Right. And you're drawing them to do that because right. you need to process this because yeah. this is one of many things that are going to come up. So it's important for you in, in your journey as I weirdly am resisting the term spiritual leader, because one of the things that you're so clear on is that there is no leader that everyone is their own guide leader and teacher which is how you always sort of differentiate between people talk about cults and all sorts of spirit groups but it's the opposite it's saying each person is their own leader but i'm just using that because that's a term that people coin in our society because you're also teaching people how to access their own inner voice like you did for me so now i am my best teacher guide and friend I am my own spirit leader. Exactly. And so this is really important because you're talking about an event that any person in the world will say is indefensible. You're not defending the event, but ultimately what you're saying, which was so important and I think is important for people to hear is when you're in the fear and the anger of the event, the ideas and inspirations that you need that you want to be open to receiving in order to take the next step to making change is not going to come to you in the rage. Anything that's coming to you in the rage is just action that you're going to take to control the situation. It's, it's just going to keep the hamster wheel turning. You know, it's not going to get you anywhere, but if you're trying to move mountains, then you've got to somehow find that place, which is very difficult in these situations. So I think the macro in this is just really what happened with you is, is prepping you. And then you, yeah, you go outside and you had one, two, three manifestation events, kicking your one, two, three biggest core beliefs, core fears, if you will, right? core beliefs that lead to your strongest fears and will of course be your greatest strengths. Absolutely. And it makes you compassionate and it makes you, I, people can identify with you. People, people have those same fears. 
And I think that this is leading you to the next because sir, you're getting ready for the, to be ready for the big, you know what I'm saying? For it's getting bigger and growing fast. Yeah. It's like, um, we all know that our own, all of our limitations are self-imposed and we don't know why we, we assume that they're not self-imposed, that they're imposed by society or other people, but they're absolutely imposed by your, your own unwillingness to look at your own limiting beliefs. Once you process those limiting beliefs, then they're removed. In fact, as long as you're able to push past whatever the fear is when you're inspired to do something, then it's no longer limiting. So the fear of criticism is obviously irrational because criticism is necessary to understand, you know, how you could do things in a different way. There's nothing wrong with criticism at all. It's just that we would like to believe that we're beyond any criticism because we're that good, you know? So you go out, you act, and you get a critique on that. Of course, it feels good to have a positive critique or a positive review, but that's not the point of this. The point is you just do what you do and then let the chips fall where they may, realizing that people are gonna have their opinion of you. Now, now that we know that everyone has their own unique perception of reality. So however you influence them has nothing to do with you. It has to do with their whole mental construct. So if they have open mental construct, then they're going to be able to at least maybe align with your perspective, which will show them a new perspective. If you think about the school system, how it really is, it's a warehouse to store kids, you know, mo mostly while people are at work, we couch it in a way that is preparing them for society, which is what it's really doing is scrubbing away their uniqueness and it's conforming them to the world that we are living in, but won't be the world that they're living in. And all the symptoms, all the bullying, all the stuff that's coming out of it and all the attempts to control that, it's just, uh, it's just a system that isn't going to work. It's going to, it's going to be radically changed in the future. And there's things like the Sudbury Valley School that are doing things like that. But yes, look, look at Sudbury Valley School. Are you familiar with that school? Yeah, we, I think we had even talked about it on this podcast, but you can yeah. go ahead and talk about it. So it's a school that just says the kids are in charge. They hire the personnel. There's no teachers. They're facilitators. And once a year, they have a, the kids have a meeting and they decide who they want to keep and who they want to let go. And then they make all the rules in a school. And actually, there's only one rule last time I looked, which was can't eat outside of the kitchen. But otherwise, the kids can do whatever they want to do. The key of this is that if they need help with anything, the facilitator will say, okay, well, we, I'll show you how to get on the computer, whatever you want. But the facilitator can't, cannot say, good job, or you're doing well, right? Isn't that counterintuitive? Yeah, it's, it's actually something we've learned. I, well, first, I just wanted to say, I've heard yeah. about someone visiting and they said the computer labs were full, their kids also having tea parties in the trees. I mean, everything is a, a bustle, if you will, you know, and kids just imaginations going wild. And also the labs are, like I said, full because they're following their passions and the people that are passionate about engineering or building something, they're all have resources to do any of the things they want to do. I've been taught as a parent since my kids were born to treat my kids with respect, which I've always done. And I, I took good girl and good boy out of my vocabulary. I never say it. And if someone else says it, it's, I 
sort of eat, but I don't say anything. I never tell anyone not to say it because. Yeah. Because they're going to counter that. Yes. Ex- I'm right. the mom and also I'm trying not to control it. The good boy, good girl is addressing the human and not the behavior. So, you know, sometimes when I say something to my daughter and I'm angry, she's really sensitive, obviously. And she's very sensitive to me getting upset. And she'll say, do you still love me? She says that because she knows it'll bring me right back. And I always say, I love you. And I like you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not about, it's not about you. It's not you, your behavior, because one thing we do adopt at an early age, which you sort of touched on is that criticism, but the self-criticism is so much worse than any criticism anyone else could give us. And of course, any criticism anyone else is giving us is a reflection of our self-criticism. What we're doing to ourselves because of this conditioning since we were kids and what we continue to do to our kids, hopefully, you know, it, they're becoming more free and stepping more into their power more and more does create this very powerful self-criticism and a very something that I've been processing the last week is a very difficult time forgiving ourselves. We just are hard on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, because we believe that fundamentally any flaw is going to remove us from the love from others. And we, yeah, we've been taught good girl, good boy. And if you're not good, you're bad. Yeah. And no one loves you if you're bad. And yes, no one loves you if you're bad. Right. And our biggest fear is just being bad. Yeah. Because then you'll lose everything. And our biggest fear is to lose everyone, everything. Right. So. Or rejection. Rejection. It's very intense. Yeah. So we learn that if you behave well, you'll be accepted. And if you behave badly, you'll be rejected. Right. So good job is you're behaving well. You're doing a good job. We accept you. We approve of you. Yeah. But the person saying I approve of you is coming from a subjective place based on their perception of reality. And they don't have any clue what this person's going to, this child's going to come up and do in the world, you know, what their journey is. I think it's important for us to have this conversation because, you know, I have a four and a half year old. She's going to elementary school next year. Right. So I have a a two-year-old when this occurred, it was my um, anniversary. And so I was a little bit in a bubble that day. And I looked at social media only to look at what my husband was writing to me on social media. And I think I saw a post of kids faces. And then I saw Biden and I threw my phone down. I just didn't look at it. It was not conscious. It was just, nope. And somehow on a subconscious level, I know I already started to process because something you may not know about me and how sensitive I am is I have completely disabled all notifications on my phone from Apple news. This is way before I started work with you because a headline, a clickbait headline will destroy me for a year. I mean, it will mess me up. So I saw that I threw my phone, but I knew something, but didn't know it consciously. I just, it was very strange. So I was processing slowly and slowly and slowly because this type of thing I would tell you is definitely my deepest fear, right? I mean, I lay in bed at night after having images of my own children in certain ways. And the next day the texts start rolling in and I don't know what happened, but I can sort of, I, I, our friend Shoshana texted me something all of a sudden that image popped in my head 
And I asked her, did it have something to do with this image that I saw of all these children and then Biden? And she didn't answer. And I knew immediately it was yes. And, you know, and then the wave did come, right? And then I lost it, lost my mind. And then I was raging against the machine for a minute thinking, you know, there's little things we could do right now. We could do background checks, right? We can, we can raise the age of people able to bear by arms. We can just have a, a, a mental state test where someone has to take a test every few years, you know, just simple things. And then I moved to the other place of, oh, you know, the government doesn't want to solve any of these problems because it's not profitable because they run on problems. They run on issues. What are they going to run on if they solve all these issues? So the system, the thing, the pain, the parents, the children, and then the zoom out. I'm in the zoom out with you because there's really nothing that can be done in the mud. There's nothing that can be done. And let me put it to you this way. I understand what you're talking about when you say neutral. And I want to be very clear about this. Neutral does not mean unfeeling. Neutral does not mean uncaring. It means feeling all the feelings, which I promise you and anyone listening, I feel all the feelings. But I'm not judging the feelings. I'm not making them wrong. I'm here and I'm just in it right now. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. That's what I'm doing. I'm sitting with it and I'm, and I'm just riding it. And I know the inspiration will come. And when it does, I will be ready. But here I am holding space for anyone in pain and grieving and knowing that they are separate from their source, but also knowing you cannot lose anyone ever. I really do believe that. And you may call it a beneficial belief, an empowering belief. I know my children are with me forever and they're not going to always be my children. They're my parents, my friends, my cousins, and every other life we're going to go around a million times. We're connected so deeply. You will never, ever lose your child. You know, I've lost my niece. She's with me always. We have a closer relationship, a closer bond than we ever did. So all I'm saying is I'm feeling all the feelings and here I am, you know, it's just, it, you know, it's all the things. Well, that's the crux of it, is that in the fear, you would just receive urges to control conditions. That just leads to more fear. It's no solution. In, and of course, when something big like this happens, you know, but even, even the small things in your life, when you're in fear, you get in an argument with your spouse and you fight back, that's not giving you anything you want. You're just acting on an urge to control that situation by making the other person different than they are. And that leads to disconnection rather than connection. We, won't, we don't want to think about the entire school system because it's so massive that we, have, we feel powerless and that powerless feeling doesn't feel good. So we numb that powerless feeling by p placing our attention on something that maybe seems like a little bit more control, background checks and, you know, right. arming teachers or having guards at schools. But that's not how reality works, because reality cannot be controlled. This, these events, uh, an easier event maybe, is a bunch of wheel, whales beaching themselves. So if you think about that from the limited perspective, you say, oh my god, these whales are all dying together. We have to push them back out to sea. But the event 
connects the water animal to the land animal in a way that now with TV and everything, everyone can see it and everyone knows what these things are. And now we pass laws that we're not going to do whaling and we, you know, rally against countries that do that. And, and so we have a deeper connection with the whales because they've sacrificed themselves, you know, to be known by land animals. So we don't have such an attachment to whales. Somehow we have affinity for them, but we don't have our own whales that we could lose. So that fear is not there. So all these events that happen, even the war in Ukraine, is just showing us things that we couldn't have seen otherwise, that there's no possible way. I don't have any kids, so I don't, I can only remember what it's like when I was a kid, but I can't imagine taking my kid to a school and having them say, what'd you learn today? And, it, and they say nothing, which is what I said every day of my life. Us too, and by the way, my daughter's four, she's already saying it. How was school? It's fine. You wanna tell me about it? Right. No. Right. No. <laughs> the only fun part was being with your friends and, and recess and lunch and things like that and after school. But the sitting there in a classroom, um, that structure of that where they're telling you, you have to, to write in that, in a video I did, there's a se section where they're showing people how to write in, by hand. Here's the capital A, capital, or small A, capital B, small B. And that's cursive, right? So I had the hardest time because I'm left-handed and I, my penmanship's terrible and I always had such a hard time and was admonished all the way through college, actually. Oh. And now, of course, never write anything. Right. You know? <laughs> Completely, absolutely Completely right. Completely useless. Oh, no, the system is slow. You're talking about kids who, whose brains are moving so fast and they're sitting there. It sounds like a torture chamber for an yeah. hour learning a lesson. Now, not all schools are like this, so this is a blanket but sitting there for um, how I, I'll talk about my experience, sitting there for an hour or two hours, a double period and learning about one thing. I mean, it's gotta be torture for the teacher too. Like that's just not how our brains work. I do know there are teachers sort of pushing the boundaries, interacting with the kids, you know, changing it up, but it, it's like, yeah, you're up against the woolly mammoth. I mean, it is a woolly mammoth. The, the system is. Yeah old and archaic and doesn't even, none of it applies in that regard. So what if I could show you that, you know, how we learned English in basically 12 years, that I could show you that someone can learn to read in three weeks. Oh, no yeah, I, at all, I, I thousand or math, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you would say, okay, we know for a fact that someone can learn to read in three weeks and can learn math in three weeks if they have the desire. And if they don't have the desire, we know for a fact that they will never learn it. I hear what you're saying about the institution of schools being a place for us to put our kids so parents can go about their lives. And let me tell you something. Fuck yeah. And you know what? You can't tell you right now. Somebody please take my children from nine to three. Okay. I will pay millions of dollars. Okay. So I guess now the question is to do what? To, to realize right. that it's not about you, right. it's about the spirit of the child and not your child, all children. Yeah. Now, let's just say that we took one generation, us, our generation, and we said we are going to only work for the benefit of whoever's in school right now around the world. Yeah. And we are only going to help them develop their spirit, their uniqueness what they're here for, their journey of self-discovery, 
we're going to take all the resources. We're not going to have armies. We're not going to do anything. There's, everyone is going to adopt this formula where we let the kids decide what they're interested in and we let their spirit flourish. Those kids grow up. They do the same thing to the kids below, right? And then the whole focus of the system is not on me. It's on everyone else. Yeah. Right. So all we're doing is working for everyone else instead of ourselves. Yeah. So let's just start doing that. Right. <laughs> because, be and then, and yeah, no problem. Cause then you end up with people who don't pick up a gun and go to other kids. It's, no, they pick up a, you know, notebook and go help other kids. Yeah. Right. And in fact, the people who do pick up a, a gun, we, we all help that person too. That's we don't put them in a prison. We, you know, surround them with love. Now, that's what this world will come to at some point, and whether that's 100 years from now or 150 years. It's quick. It's going to happen quick. But all it means is what, we, what we're doing is we're taking a perspective on ourselves as victims and realizing we're here in service of each other. And that's the greatest satisfaction we can have. And see, these ideas are coming to you because you're able to maintain that what we were calling neutrality. These ideas would not be coming to you if you were just screaming at the television set. And by the way, that's, yeah. I don't mean that in a pejorative way. We've all screamed at the television set. I'm not taking away from anyone's because that's fine too. There's a place yes. for all of it. Sure. But uh, what we're not realizing is that all humans are living in fear and all they're doing is teaching fear to the new ones coming in. So, so it's very hard to teach fear to a baby. The baby is just authentic and unique, but as they grow up and start walking around. Hey, watch that coffee table. Don't get into that. Don't put your hand over here. Don't do this. Don't do this. this um, it's a system of structured institutional conditioning in school system and a biased conditioning based on the fear that the parents have that the children could hurt themselves and then they would feel negative emotion. The flipping of this will be when we move away from our own personal self-interest to the self-interest of our entire reality. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone in it, everyone, it's like you said, it's making it about everyone else in terms of the children and not about ourselves. Listen, not for nothing. I'm just taking it back a little bit. This work has really stretched me for sure. And I know other parents will relate to this. Um, you know, when I was first a parent, I was identifying everything someone said about my child as someone saying that about me. Right. They think my child's good. They think I'm good. They think my child's bad or have a criticism. They're criticizing me. Then moving into oh, fear of them hurting themselves, then fear of them being hurt emotionally by other people. And uh, realizing as I have, as I've stretched myself and pulled back, pulled back, pulled back and allowed mostly my daughter because she's older and now definitely my son, but I've had more experience with her where even her best friends saying to her, we don't want to play with you and her crying and saying, why don't my friends want to play with me? And me wanting to just pick up those children and fucking go ape shit. <laughs> and instead just going into a corner, crying myself and just handling it on my own, not her letting her see me do that, but handling my emotions alone and in my best moments. And then allowing her to navigate. And now what I'm realizing and seeing is her resilience 
already. Yeah. Her ability to handle so many situations already. And she's living a privileged life. So it's really important. I could easily smooth out every manifestation event. The more privilege they have, you know, my parents were divorced. This is back in the seventies. And my father had no clue where I was until he came home from work. And so I had this unbelievable amount of freedom and he couldn't smooth out anything. He right. didn't even know about anything. Um, so now imagine being micromanaged or I have my friend Bruce, his kid, they know where he is every second of every day. They know exactly what he's doing. Well, yeah, you, with the cell phones too and electronics, you know, it's an umbilical cord and parents mm -hmm. know what their college kids are doing. And growing up for me, we would go to the mall and we were there as kids all day, stay and watch a movie. Our parents don't know what the hell we're doing. We would play out in the street. My mom had a bell in the garage and she would ring. We were out on our bikes, freedom, right? And then there was, you know, stranger danger started. The culture sort of changed. And now not only are we micromanaging our children, but we're sort of, we're creating, like we're atrophying our children. So then they go to college. We can solve any problem for our child around the world. In university, you know, people, kids study abroad. Well, that means my sister goes to Italy and doesn't have a place to stay and lands there and is completely lost, doesn't speak the language and has to figure it out. Yeah, and now, out. yeah, now I can call a hotel and send her a map and, you know, it's very different now. And so it's interesting that our kids are more sensitive, are, are fighting for their freedom even harder. And yeah, it's a really beautiful system of, of equal ends, right? And, and also we have the ability to control more than ever in a way. Imagine if you came in now with lower emotional sensitivity, you would just be accepting everything because you wouldn't be moved to anything. Right. Now we, the kids are coming with higher emotional sensitivity. So this bursts even stronger desires. And they're, they're going to need those desires to break through all of this control. We'll see. Yeah, I think so for sure. To break yeah. through all that control. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. But are you, how are you feeling? So are you feeling now that you had that sort of realization where you realized that a feeling of fear in that moment was the same as excitement? There was a double-edged sword because I had perceived myself as getting over this limiting belief bullshit, <laughs> right? I mastered this stuff. Yeah, okay. Newsflash. <laughs> hate to break it to you. Uh, no, they're going to be there tomorrow, but it's okay. <laughs> but, you, that, but you expanded. <laughs> yeah, because I was really good at raising my perspective. And, um, you know, I went, uh, I went through a period of time where I went through these basic fears, the fear of dark, uh, you know, fear of the end of the world, these sort of things that I perceived I was processing for the mass consciousness. And I go, okay, I can do that. I can rationalize, you know, I can turn that around in my head and I can look at it from a higher perspective and realize and got these great ideas. And I was really going huge stretches without manifestation events. But literally the only person who gave me a manifestation event now is Tracy. Great. And so, and so because I value that yeah. relationship, right? So that's really important to me. So I'm attached to an outcome or I'm attached to her perception of me and I'm attached to how she treats me. 
so that when I had these manifestation events, they they were the she was the only one who really could give them to me. So I have have them, and I'm like, I can't believe that I'm this upset after right. all this work I've done. I cannot believe this. It's like, what is this all for? Is it nothing? So great. And I said, okay, well, I know at least I'm not acting on an urge to change the conditions. I go outside. I just calmly sit, and then for the first time, really feel these emotions. And in feeling those emotions, I was able to discover they're not negative emotions. That's the most incredible discovery. Thank God you need a person in your life that can send you. You need it. You have to keep going deeper and deeper into your own core beliefs. Listen, Yeah. it's never, ever going to stop. I'm proud of you for admitting it, though. I need more people to be like Tracy. I really feel like I can. Everyone's opinion. Yeah, I really, I really feel like as our friendship develops, I, I swear I could piss you off. I really know I can. See, there's no way you could. I... <laughs> okay, that just means you don't care about me. I know. That's right. <laughs> so I had a big discovery this, uh, this week. It's tangential, but I feel like there's connective tissue. I realized I'm playing it small. Mm. And the reason I'm playing it small is not fear of success. It's not fear of this, this, that, or the other. It surprised me. I'm playing it small to keep the people around me comfortable. Mm. So I don't threaten my relationships. Yeah. And I don't change the dynamic of those relationships. And that was a really big realization that I, in my people pleasing, which is probably why I can't piss you off because I am also a people pleaser. So I don't that's know. what I'm saying. That's yeah, good. yeah. There's just no way that I would like. <laughs> because even if you said it, you'd be laughing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you do know me so well. That was an interesting sort of discovery that it's the people pleasing that for me. You know how we've always talked about we all of us in society we talk about teachers that dimmed our light or you know parents said something not my parents hi guys you guys are the best you never did my parents really never dimmed my light um <laughs> friends relationships people trying to dim your light dim your light and of course no one can do that only i can do that only me and I use those as excuses to do it, or I adopted other people's opinions of me and let them become my own. And that seems very obvious, correct? But for some reason, it just hit me in a new way. I'm playing it small. I've dimmed my light to make everyone comfortable. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm letting it go. I have been acting on inspiration, you know that, but enough in my range of comfortability And I'm not going to stay in my range of comfortability. I'm going to let myself be super uncomfortable. And I said yes to a couple of things this week. And man, if everything you say isn't true, the second I did it, not only was I not afraid, I was freaking excited. And the thing that always holds me back is tired. That's always my thing, tired. Uh... And I had energy. So and I think about it now, it gives me energy. So I'm really starting to see like how this all really does work how the system really is designed there's evidence in everyone's life all right so let me guess what the inspiring idea was or the inspiring thing that came to you that got you energized that's going to make you big right or stretch you outside of that comfort zone you're going to be on the joe rogan podcast (laughs) 
<laughs> so imagine you. That was it. You right? got Across me. the table from Joe. I'm emailing Joe Rogan. <laughs> and you can be on that podcast. Oh, I have right? no problem. He would not enjoy talking to me, but I would have no problem. <laughs> he would love talking to you. Are you kidding? I would be authentic. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> ah, you that's the funny. thing, you know, you think about these things that you sort of in the in your mind is like, I would never do that. That's not no, me I at absolutely all. would. I have no problem doing that. I'm just saying whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I would never do that. But that that is that limiting thing, that self-limiting thing. It is. I would never do that. And you have to say, well, if that came, that would be this opportunity. So don't so you're limiting yourself by saying I wouldn't do it. So if you just entertain that, hey, if it comes, I'll figure it out. You, you know, know, this is funny. I, I asked Joshua a question about this. There's always a thing with me about invitations. Because again, the tired, I'm, I'm afraid of being tired. I'm afraid of that feeling of that's resistance. And what I've noticed is some invitations come in and they're all inspired. And a lot, one of the invitations that came in was the one I just kept saying no. And I finally said yes to, and that energized me, made me super excited. And it's very scary, not scary, but I'm going back to New York to sing Jen Gambatee's our friend, put a concert together. Um, and she asked me to do it. And I was like, no, no, no. And then I went to New York for Shoshana and I saw a show and I saw Jen's show. And I was like, I want to come back to New York and do Broadway again. And then I'm going back to New York because Shoshana's nominated for a Tony and I'm her date. And here I am going back and forth to New York for someone else, but I don't have the courage to go for me and sing. When I just said I wanted to do that, it was very strange. So I said, I'm yeah. doing this and I got super excited, but there are other invitations I said yes to. And even as I said, yes, the dread, there are things that they come my way that I really don't want to do. And it's interesting because I know it's fear or resistance because I do get lit up sometimes when the thing is happening once I say yes. But sometimes I say yes and I'm like, no, I really don't want to do it. What do you yes. think your purpose is, your soul's purpose? What do you think with all your talents and attributes, your the life you live so far, your wife and a mother, actress, singer, you have these passions about things, you have the podcast, you're interested in these teachings. Why do you think you all that is wrapped up into you? Connector was all that came to mind when you said it, to connect people and to just flow love to people. I do think I am good at making people feel good. Okay. But that's a, that sounds small to me. To spread my light to everyone on the planet. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> How? Like, um, you're doing that now. And so is Dalai Lama. Yeah. So what if Dalai Lama was like, well, what I about Oprah? Is Oprah doing it? Oprah's doing it. Yeah, but Oprah has a lot of fear. La yeah, it's I'm a different package. But so th think of the biggest thing. You know, what... What's the biggest thing? How will you have the most impact? What do you think? I mean, literally, you could, you could have a TV show, you know. Right, where I just talk like, to Yeah, like a, like a Oprah kind of TV show. Yeah. Just to have like a talk show. Who said that to me recently? We, talk, we just talk about, pers you know, perspective and people's lives and what they're doing and how to see it. Imagine you talking. See, I see a lot of... I'm starting to see that in celebrities, 
Let's take Ryan Reynolds, for example. He is naturally shining this light, you know, and he naturally sort of knows how this stuff works. Yeah. And he naturally has this high perception of himself, but also very humble, you know? Yeah. And, but he doesn't formally know how he's doing it. Right. <laughs> and so it wouldn't be interesting to talk to people like that and sort of eke out of them. And give them some clarity. Yes. Yeah. He, he sort of thinks like, well, anyone could do this. This is what you hear a lot of people say. I just got lucky. Right. Yeah. There's like this natural, brilliant light without inside him that's just flowing. Yeah. And there's a lot of people like that, but there's, there's, and I think this is why they come forth, but then they are also trapped in the old fears and limiting beliefs and stuff too. And they sort of go off the rails sometimes. Um, you know, so, so imagine talking to people like that in these super deep conversations. Yeah, none of it scares me. I could feel like I could talk to absolutely anyone on the planet. I mean, you sort of have practice already in that. Y yeah. With your friends. I, I, yeah. You know? I, well, yeah, J Jason, again, was on the podcast, and that's sort of what happens is I have people come on, and they tell me their story and how it is very natural. Come, They all have different things they did naturally. Like my friend Anj, she just did a podcast. She's had an incredible career that just launched. And what she was doing well she did do some spiritual work it was this acting on inspired ideas like she liked being afraid things that yes. scared her she did yeah. and it moved her really fast and jason had his story about his highest joys and his passions and he manipulated the education system to do all the things he really wanted to do not knowing he was doing all the things that would make an amazing director so it's amazing having these conversations and then sort of hold a mirror up and say this is all evidence of x y and z this is what you're doing this is how it's happening so in order to keep so it's sort of shining a light on that so and clarity so people know where it's coming from and how it's happening and how it works. But you've taught me that. Yeah. And you talking to people like that, you know, and, and that podcast with Jason there, your experience of that, how, how now from your perspective, you can see how all the dots connected. Yes. You know, clearly. What he was like as a kid. Yep. How that led him to this and that and this, you know. All of it. And it's so obvious. And that's what I mean. There's evidence in everyone's life. There's so much evidence that you can find. I mean, you can find evidence to support your limiting beliefs and evidence to support your empowering beliefs, but there's evidence of all of it. There's evidence that you'll never let yourself down. There's evidence that you can do anything. And of course, if you want to focus on the evidence that you can't get anywhere and this other narrative that it's not for you, then you have a choice to focus on that. But there's evidence does, of both. So where are you going to put your have any regrets or resentments? You, I, he has had some in his life, but but he knows better now. Uh, is that interesting? Yeah. He knows better now. Know that if that didn't turn out like it did, you'd not be here now. Yes, and I think the thing that did that to him naturally, first a lot of, a lot of our conversations got him there on certain career things, but a lot of things that got him there naturally was his children. If I right. had done this or done that, I wouldn't have these kids. Yes, exactly. So that he's like, so it was all perfect. So he, he has found a way naturally to get there. Yeah. All right. Now let's transition to another topic. Okay. So as people go through the boot camp and the Ascension experience, they raise their vibration. They start seeing things from the higher perspective and natural talents and abilities come. And a lot of them are 
channeling and different empathic abilities. And Christy is getting, you know, just started becoming a full-on psychic, right? A full-on medium. And she's been on this podcast. There's an episode with her where she sort of explained how her abilities came online. They're insane. Insane. And and I was watching that show on Netflix about uh, the young guy. Tyler Henry. Tyler, right? Yes. And Christy's like him to a degree, but but even better. And and, and it also, came on fully realized her abilities. So fully the, realized. So the thing that's slowing it down, which I think because she's going at her pace, is just her doubt of her ability to call it up whenever she wants and her or fears. If it's true, right? That sort of thing, right? I think she's starting to know it's true, though. <laughs> well, especially in this story. So she's like, um, hey, do you have um, a friend? And I get this crazy motorcycle rider. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm first I think of my brother's friend in high school who, who died. And so I said, do you have a name? And she goes, not, not yet. And he's like, uh, I'm getting, uh, oh, is this person in prison? And I'm getting this, talking to me like he's really, really drunk, really drunk. And so now I know it's my friend Casey, right? So my friend Casey, very close friend, one of my closest friends, and he had, you know, very successful in business. Super nice guy, lots of friends, but was a drinker. And the drinking really started going when he got married and he got deeper and deeper and deeper. And he had a DUI. And then, he, then, um, He's going to rehab and then out of rehab. And so he calls me one day and he says, um, I just hit this guy or this motorcycle just hit me. This motorcycle was flying down the road. I had turned to go into the bank and a, he did not have any headlights on and hit me and he died. And he, and he said to me, I hope they don't have any, see any, find any alcohol in my body. You know, I said, well, were you drinking? He said, I maybe had something earlier. Turns out he was three points three times the legal limit, right? Jesus. And, but the motorcycle, he turned into thing and the motorcycle hit him at, at yes. an insane speed. Yeah. Um, turns out that that guy who did that had just gotten out of jail for murder, right? So anyway, so I know it's Casey. And then before I say anything, she texts back, I'm getting a name, Ransom, question mark, Ramos, question mark. So I'm like, I go to the article about the thing, go to the bottom of it. The guy's name was Ransom Ramos. It's so crazy. Okay, it's who's so named Ransom, right? Who's named, and who gets a first and last name that, by the way, right. you don't even know. You don't know the name, right? I have no idea what the you name is. You had to look it up in the article. Actually, I go, I bet you that's the name. I look over the name, I see <laughs> the name. I'm like, oh my God. It's and then I, then I text or I get on the phone with Christy and tell her the whole story. And so she said that they were, they met or they collided for each other. It's the only way Casey could not stop drinking. That wasn't the point, to wake up, yeah. right? And Casey released him. The, the phrase was, I was still in prison. He had gotten out of prison, but he was still in the prison of his mind and, yeah. and felt the greatest relief you know, yeah. she just felt that sensation of release when he, relief when he transitioned. So the funny thing was, a month before that, I had this strong inspiration to find 
try and find Casey. He's been moved around. I didn't, I could never, I had no way. I, I had texted his ex-wife before, who was a friend of mine. She never got back to me. And so about a month ago, I called her. I said, how do I find? And she said, well, here's how you do it. And there's an email system and it was really confusing and it took a while to get into it, but I emailed him. And so I had a series of emails up to that point. Yeah. But I knew inspiration. I had to contact him and, uh, and send him a book. So that's what the message was for me to help be a him. part of him like, on the awakening yeah, and yeah. all of it lining up. I mean, yeah. every event, that's always the craziest thing is we know that everything's connected, but when there is evidence of it, it never ceases to blow our minds. It's mm. always like the coolest thing where you could it's trace a, it back, back since the day you were born. All these yeah. things have been at and play. The, the, and that event was for Christy to get over her doubt because you cannot doubt this now. You No, <laughs> you know? no. And again, because all her abilities are coming on and I don't even think she has accessed them all. There's more coming. I could tell you specifically, she will be able to see future. She is psychic. She is medium. I just think she's pacing herself because it's a lot to process all of a sudden to be able to get all that. And so, you know, well, we're going to have her on the three of us. We're going to get to talking. It's going to be so fun. You know, she hit me up on Mother's Day because my niece visited her. Actually, let her know the night before, hey, I'm coming in tomorrow. And she basically changed everyone in my, the trajectory of everyone in my family's lives that day. It was remarkable. That was just a couple of weeks ago. So that's what mediums do. Like if you watch the Long Island medium stuff is they they comfort people, right? Yeah. But in Chrissy's case, she's given us spiritual stuff too. Yes, because that is some of the things, you know, when I was watching Tyler Henry, I wanted to give him a hug and tell him because there were times that he would do his readings where he would deliver a message, but he's delivering it so the person receiving the message can validate. Yes. So it's for them. So they'll say they suffered or they regret that they went so young and all these things, right? which are not we don't believe are true but it's so right. the person listening says that's him that's yes. him it was too young he of course he regretted going that day but i want to tell tyler just so you know <laughs> like i wanted i so badly you know he said during one of the last episodes he feels 90. this kid's not going to live a long life because he's in so much resistance in so much resistance yeah. he's such a inspiration for so many people and yeah, he could use one of the books, but I don't think it's, that's a different lifetime. When you are emotionally sensitive and you don't understand the system, it's really hard. Painful. And he's yeah. in bed all day and his body's hurting. And did you just want to give him a hug? I just wanted yeah. to give him a hug and, and say all these souls shed. And he has glimmers of it. He does mm -hmm. say some things where he is tapped in and he does know it, but yeah, there's a lot of resistance in his, obviously his relationship with his mom. I mean, we could kiki about this all day. I don't know <laughs> anyone listening. It's like, mm, I don't care. But the story with his mom and I mean, there's, it's, it's amazing that he chose to come in that way and chose the family he chose and that they chose him. And it's quite remarkable, but Christy, and when she was on the podcast, I said, you know, if you've had these gifts laying dormant in your life, that means you must've had some big ass things happen in your life that tried to wake you up. And that's when she let us all know of the biggest event, which I which wasn't is, prepared for. And the first time she's ever said that publicly. 
And it was the first time she ever said that publicly. Most of her friends don't know that. They do now. <laughs> um, but I won't, isn't I won't, that a wonderful event to share? Yeah, you know? it, yes. But yeah. I, again, the three of us will come on because I love, I love our connection. I'm so grateful to you for all these connections. You know, I do just want to let you know how grateful I am. As much as I talk about there are so many other fears I need to push past and things I need to do, you know, because of the tired and my resistance of being tired, I was really closing the walls in on my life and they were getting higher and higher as they do. And I was really cutting everyone out. It's funny, you come into my life and now I have friends all over the world and I'm communicating with more people than I ever thought possible. <laughs> and it's just the start. And I have all these new amazing friends and you're an amazing friend. And I just, I love you so much. And I'm so grateful to you. And thank you for being vulnerable for me. And, you know, anyone listening, we weren't really going to post this. This was just going to be a conversation, but I think we're gonna. And so you're going to see a different side to Gary, a more vulnerable side. You know, he's not just here sort of channeling and telling us about the laws in the universe, but really your human experience in the moment in real time. And I think that that's really powerful for, for me, for sure. If you look at spiritual teachers traditionally, they always want to put up this facade of someone who's living these principles and now is living this great life because of them. And while my life is phenomenally great, I still get manifestation events and I still have work to do. And I'm still, it's a day-to-day -day process. But I, the thing to me that's most hard to explain is just how you think. It's so much more free. Yeah. The rules no longer apply. Everything is, and, and there's not that consciousness of fear that's always doubt and worry and everything and anxiety and all that. It's like you can breathe finally. Yeah. If you imagine when you transition non-physical and you're free of your body and you're free of all the programming of society and you're free of all fear, the relief that you feel and you're like, oh, finally it's over. I'm so expansive. That's, I'm tasting that now, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. by the way, you can't have that relief without the resistance. And so once you have that relief, that's it for the relief until you come back and do it again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So relief is a beautiful feeling, but you, but it doesn't come if there's no fear. Yeah. Yeah. So you, that's why being a human is albeit as the Buddhists say to, to live is just, um, suffer, suffer. Uh. <laughs> but also you, then you can experience things like sweet, sweet relief. And that is precious. Okay, so think about this. You're an actor, you go for a part, you have anxiety or nervousness going in for the audition. You nail the audition. You feel good about yourself, all right? Then they hire you, so you feel good and anxiety at the same time. Then you go and do your rehearsals and everything, and then the camera says, roll. You do, so before that part, so, so say you have a scene to do, the day before or the day of, how are you feeling? I always have a little spilkis. Spilkis, right? <laughs> I remember when I, when I was, uh, I mean, drama. sometimes much less now, you know, but yeah. at some point there's going to be a little, like a little nerve butterflies. I had the sensation that I had to poop before. That's what spilkis spilk stomach is when you have like the nervous poops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
the juice called Spilkes. Yeah. That's literally being in a fight or flight situation where the body is saying, let's just evacuate everything yeah. so we can English, run. English doesn't cut it in language. We just don't have the words for things that other languages have. Spilkes, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. And then you do the performance and you nail it. And then you're flying. Oh, you're flying. You're high as a motherfucking kite. <laughs> you're like so high. Nothing can bring you down. Nothing yeah. can bring you down. What if you make one little blip? One little, you could have done something a little better. Well, it depends. The old me then wouldn't be happy ever about yeah, it. I couldn't right? watch the scene. But the truth is, I learned now that that there's always a blip that that to be an artist is to understand that there is no perfection but you're searching for that feeling of okay. feeling of nailing it so the blip is the patina on the uh, it's on the, patina. the performance yes and makes the performance perfect because we know it's perfect right Correct. and it's the self-judgment after that focuses on that blip, on that tiny blip as if it was wrong and that little tiny blip ruins the entire performance, right? Let me, oh, my husband, every time he shoots, with some exceptions, comes home and says, I thought of something after and it was too late. Yeah. Every time. And he, and this, and there's one shot. And by the way, it's always a great idea. Okay. But there's one shot and yeah. it torments him. And I just laugh now because I say, well, of course there was. You know, because yeah. you're so open and you're inspired and all these ideas are coming to you. There's an infinite number of ideas. More ideas are going to keep coming if you're open. So Right. And, and it seems like it's coming after the fact, but it's really for the next thing. And I always say to him, well, yeah. it, that doesn't technically always apply logistically, but I always say to yeah. him, you didn't think of it because it wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, right. That's it, it, it was never <laughs> it was never going to happen. That's not the thing. And in post, you'll see why. But that was not the thing. It was not going to happen. So it, it was never going to, you were never going to think of it in, in the hours you needed to. And that's it. Have you guys been watching uh, the offer on HBO Max about the making of The Godfather? Of making and how hard it was to put all the production together and all the stuff that's going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, but anytime a director guys... says to me, I feel terrible about what I'm doing right now, I say, oh, that means you're crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> Like any director that comes out and is like, I mean, sometimes they'll say I got it all. I mean, but any director is like, I, I nailed everything. I'm like, yeah, you, you're not, you're not nailing it. You're missing it. I don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. I love you. Thanks for coming love and having too. just like a, a real conversation with me. And you know, anyone, if we triggered you, you're welcome. No, <laughs> go process that shit. Yes. It, it will just. <laughs> it'll just lead you to the next, but I, I thank you for being so open and vulnerable and you know, awesome. Thank you too. And I love you too. I love you. Okay. Bye. Bye.